welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force, yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the Indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, you know, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio, 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Hello and welcome to the Doing Time Show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855am on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. It's approximately 4 o'clock and we've got quite an action-packed show this evening. Um, I've, I'm here and Peter's also here um, and we'll be hosting the show until 5 o'clock. In the studio today, and we're going to be speaking with her very, very soon, is Marianne McKay who is um, an Indigenous activist from Western Australia. Hi, Marianne. Hi, how are you going? Uh, and you can introduce, introduce yourself properly later on and talk about what land from, you're from and all of the other, all of the other particulars. <laughs> <laughs> yep, no so, um, and then before that, though, Marianne has kindly organised um, so the, the grandmothers to come on from Alice Springs so she's going to help me um, introduce them later on, and they'll introduce yeah. themselves, of course. And I'm just about to do a quick announcement and about NAIDOC Week, and then we'll go and, um, and interview them. And then after that, we'll speak to Marianne about some of the campaigns that she has been involved in and talk about the NAIDOC Ball and talk mm-hmm. about NAIDOC Week and all sorts of, of themes. So I'll just go into an announcement first. To all the girls... Hello. It has been a privilege to get to know you. You've all made me feel so welcome. We've shared many stories and had some good laughs together. I think about you all when I'm away from you. Have a wonderful NAIDOC week and remember, it doesn't have to be just one week. You can practice it every day. Keep the spirit going strong. NAIDOC to me, being an elder in the community, means a celebration of my uh, my culture, uh, my spirituality, and all things because I'm an Aboriginal person. But it also means to me the handing down of all that to my kids, uh, my grandkids, and all the other young ones out in the community because we need really to keep our culture strong. And, and NAIDOC week is one week when we can celebrate what we are and who we are. And that's, that's what NAIDOC means to me. All my love, Aunty Elsie. And that was the beautiful Aunty Elsie speaking about NAIDOC week. But now we're going to be um, crossing over to Aunty Christine. Hello, Aunty. Hello, how are you? Hi. Uh, Peter's here and also um, Mary Ann is here too. <laughs> Hello, Aunty. <laughs> 
Marianne. Where's Marianne? I'm in the studio here, Arnie. <laughs> hey, we're just saying you need to be here to get a, take a photo. Oh, I don't use right Photoshop me in there later, Arnie. <laughs> okay. Well, she's kind of having audio photos. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Auntie, are you at the sustainability conference, are you? Yes, we are, right? Students of sustainability. Students of sustainability. Can you talk about um, what land you're from and just discuss, talk about some of the things that have been happening over at the conference and, and anything else you'd like to talk about? About the grandmothers? Um, well, we're all Wado sisters. We came from Alice Springs. Um, Alice Springs um, and... We're down, we were invited to come down here because we um, stand for Grandmothers Against Removal. The one, you know, we joined Annie Hazel, you know, from New South Wales. Yeah. And today, I think we've got grandmothers from every state. Wow. Here at SOS. That's great. Very strong we've grandmothers. Yeah. We've got a National Grandmothers um here at the at the grands on the grands here, so we'll um we'll um take a photo later. Hmm. That's fantastic. Yeah, so, yeah go on. No, we came down here. Um, they invited us to come down here because we're we're working with um, the mob in the territory where we want to um, start taking back our children. We've got a lot of kids in remand up there. They're not even. Um, being charged or anything, and they're going into into the juvenile detention, and you know, and we know from past events, you know, there's going to be a lot of um, abuse happening in there. And we, while we're here, we, we just heard that three of our young fellas um, have now been taken from Alice Springs up to Dondale, and a couple of um, youth workers have been um, hurt. We don't know what's happening, but we're going to go back and have a look because we have, and we, you know, um, have a lot of young workers, you know, on sometimes on holiday working, you know, working holidays, and they don't have the OCA card that we have to have working with, you know, children and vulnerable people. Something that we have to look at and demand that they... um, because in the past, it's not what you know, it's who you know, you know. You know, people just get jobs up there, you know. Mm. And that's what happened a couple of years ago where a young fellow, I said, have you got an ochre card? And he said, no, my auntie's the boss of, you know, one of the government yeah. um, organisations there. So it's not what you know, it's who you know. So we've got to keep an eye on that because they're taking care of our, our children. Our Aboriginal children. Who's they? And most of who, who's they? Take... They are young people who who are in the system. Like oh, okay. At the moment, we have a lot of people who who are not even trained. Who's taking care of our children? Exactly. And we have a lot of pop-up houses where um, they put um, all these houses up and um, looking after our children. And instead of them kids going. Um, into these homes and into the juvenile detention. We want them back on country, you know? Thank you. you that's, that's great that you mentioned that. I was just about to mention it and you were one step ahead of me and that's how it should be, Auntie. Yeah, yeah. and, and we've, got a, we've got a beautiful um, um, Aboriginal system, that kinship system that we've had since memorial, you know? 
every every um, Aboriginal community around Australia, we have our own system how we take care of our children, and we want them to to start listening to us on how we're going to think. We've got to teach them survival out in this out out there instead of them going in there and being abused. You know. I remember you now, Auntie Christine. We interviewed you last year, and one of your family sang a hip a hip hop song. Well, was that you that sang a song over the air? No. No, not about me. Dylan. That would have been Kira's song. That eh? must be another Christine. Yeah, no, we had, we had that um, rap, you know. Ah, yeah, the rap. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, it wasn't yeah, even right. a rap, and my kids and my kids were um, yeah, laughing. Was her. I said, no, yeah. it mightn't be a rap. Yeah, but the words are more important, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, but and look, if you've got it there, you should play it. We have to <laughs> see if we can find it. <laughs> you do remember? Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah, yeah. because um, mm. the, the grandmothers against removal—that's that's a really, really important resource, isn't it? Well, it is, and and they they adopting our kids. Yeah. That's a new thing, you know, and and you don't have to get permission off or you know no no involvement. No consent or anything, you know. Well, it's just like the no consent, like the missions. Yeah, and and we had one young girl whose children went overseas, and they didn't even get her permission to take them overseas. Mm. Yeah, they can do that with kids in care. They can apply for passports and take them out of the country without the parents' permission. And that's that's wrong. That's right, and that's what they're doing. So we, as grandmothers. All over, all over the nation, we have to get together, stand up together, and start lobbying and saying no, you know. And we're going back to Canberra in November, so any other grandmothers want to join us, please come along. Please come along, you know, because we have to start, start um, telling them what we want, where our kids want to go to, and everything, you know. Look, we just wanted to give out a very special thank you to you, Christine, for coming on air, and, and mm-hmm. Auntie Christine, and also thank you to the Students of Sustainability Conference for allowing you to come, because I know you've got to go and do a talk now, don't you, pretty soon? Yes, yeah, so we're going to listen to Lydia Thorpe and, and the grandmas here from um, Victoria. They're coming on now. Fantastic. You don't so want to miss that. No, you can't miss that. Okay. You're talking too. No, that's great. But thank you for giving us the opportunity, and I'd like to also thank the SOS um, um, organisers as well because they've been looking after us and everybody else. A great job, you know, um, that they've done. They spoil us. For us, you know. <laughs> okay, and thank you. Thank and Mary, you so and much. Get back here. Yeah, I'll be back there soon, Arnie. Send someone to pick me back up at five o'clock, please. Uh, <laughs> the show finishes at five o'clock. Yeah. Okay, then thank you. Can right, you I'll remind them to come and get her? <laughs> Thanks, Christy. Who, who took it now? Better find that driver. Yeah, tell that Darcy there, the one that's the phone. Oh, Darcy. Darcy's right here. Mary Ann wants to be picked up. At five o'clock? Yep. At five o'clock. At five o'clock. And he, and he said, yep. Okay then, Auntie. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Auntie. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Networking. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's all about networking and organising, isn't it? And you know, it's it's so good to have events like the Students of Sustainability Conference because you know it's it's important, isn't it, for environmental and other other issues as well.
That's yeah. right, because oh. it's not just about sustainability. It's about us all coming together with, you know, grassroots blackfellas right around the country. And the environment is very important, but there's a lot of other issues that we bring to the table as well, like child removal and um, deaths in custody and things like that as well, and sovereignty. Mm. Absolutely. And we've been having a great old yarn with... Um, with Marianne, and Marianne, I wanted to introduce her properly because she um, is very, very important as far as all campaigns are concerned and everything. It was just, and we've interviewed her before. So just wanted to formally introduce Marianne to the show, and I'll let her do it herself. Um, what land are you from, Marianne? Um, I come from Noongar Nation, southwest of WA, um, Noongar Bibbulmun Nation, depending on who you talk to. Um, and my bloodline extends through the whole 14 nations within Noongar country as well as up to Sharks Bay, which enters Yamaji country as well. And can you just talk a little bit about, you know, what, what it's been like here in Melbourne and, and attending the conference? Oh, the, the gathering, the Students of Sustainability gathering has been awesome as, as usual. Um, we've been doing different workshops and um, one of the plenaries was that Alice Springs Arnie's um, getting up and speaking about their experiences with the Strong Grandmothers Group and, and the Grandmothers Against Removal. Um, and we spoke on a plenary this morning just about issues in general that we're going through on our own homeland. So there was four of us, different mobs standing up there. Um, and also... <laughs> they've got all the different um, workshops that people can get involved in, like how to um, take, you know, non-violent action, you know, within mm. campaigns and um, networking and strengthening, you know, campaigns around environmental issues, land as well as sovereignty and, you know, sustainability in general as a general issue. And you had a number of panels on there in regards to elders? Yes, yep. We've had, um, I think there's been about three or four three or four panels so far um, and it's really interesting listening to everybody speak because even though we all come from different parts of the country and we all have different issues that are specific to our area the majority of the big issues we're all going through um, and it's remote regional city you know urban everywhere you go there's that common common thread of you know our people's lands being taken illegally and by force and our kids being forcibly removed and mental health and suicide being a big factor everywhere and it's just sad that we've got this whole mass land mass and from one coast to the other we're all suffering from the same things as a result of government policies. Can you comment about historically and going up to the present briefly of course because otherwise we'll be here all night but in regards to, do you think that Aboriginal people have been divided because of all all the suffering that's happened? Oh, yeah, for sure. Because you've got the mob um, that are wa walking with the corporate line um, and they're forgetting where they come from and they're forgetting to honour their um, cultural obligations and uphold them. And I think that if you are going to you know, be a black fellow and say, I'm this person, I'm this person, I come from this country and this country. Well, if you're selling out on your people, in my view, you don't deserve to hold yourself in that regard because if, you, if you're upholding your cultural obligations, well, then you're following law. But if you're breaching those cultural obligations, well, you're breaking law and, in my view, you need to be punished under our law 
because that's what kept people together and and you know in check is our law this law this legal system and the fundamentals that it's based on is all about protecting their economy it's not about protecting the public safety or in the interest the best interests of the public safety so when you say so you're what you're saying is that it's it's okay to, it's all right to get the best of both worlds, but not to sell out on your culture. That's right. Like yeah. I'm not telling our mob yeah. they can't be successful or get no, a no. good job or be a corporate mm. person, yeah. but just don't sell out on your people and forget where you come from. Uphold your cultural obligations because if you're not honouring those cultural obligations, you are breaking law, and our old people will punish you by making you sick or whatever, you know. And I think that it's really sad that a lot of people think that. Um, it's easier to mainstream themselves rather than stand up for yeah. what is right. That's exactly right. Would an example of selling out be about mining? Oh my God, yes. I don't. I know that we have to have an acceptable amount of mining because our people mined ochre and stuff in the day, you know. But what they're doing is they're mining and mining and raping the land. They're not just taking what they need and sustaining our lifestyles. They're being very greedy. You know, you've got technology there. Once you buy a phone, a month later, the phone's upgraded and you get a lot of people chucking those old phones away and buying the new phones, which is wasting money. You know, and that's not sustainable. We don't live in a sustainable environment. Otherwise, the government would look at solar energy and things like that. Exactly. You know? yeah. and, and really, that's how it should be. And we were talking off air before, Marianne, about some of the programs that you you've helped to set up in WA. Um, I think in particular you mentioned the Wellness Centre. Yeah, um, so about eight years ago we had the um, South Metro Public Health Unit in Rockingham, um, which is near Quinana where I come from. Um, all the COAG funding was coming out, you know, the Council of yeah. Attorney Generals, the COAG funding. Um, and so the South Metro Public Health Unit got us all together and we created these district Aboriginal health action groups. So we had different regions within the South Metro of Perth um, and our Quinana Rockingham was one of the regions. So we met at a local level in our communities, um, you know, every month and then we met up every three months with the Dahags, which is what we called them. And so as a result, um, we had two Aboriginal Lands Trust buildings already in Quinana. So we managed to get funding um, to be able to renovate one of the buildings and turn it into an Aboriginal Health and Wellness Centre, which has actually won national awards, and it's called um, the Mudditch Court Aboriginal Health and Wellness Centre, which means strong heart, deadly heart, because our Aboriginal medical service wouldn't bring their service down to Quinana, so we thought, well, we'll create our own. So um, myself and Jonathan Ford, who's our CEO, um, and a number of our elders like Uncle Charlie Kickett and Auntie Helen Kickett, Auntie Dorothy Jetta, Auntie Doreen Nelson, um, Auntie Teresa Wally, there's so many to mention. Um, and we all came together and created that place. And um, now we are fully independent. Um, we own the title deeds to Mudditch Court as well as our MAC, which is our Medina Aboriginal Cultural Centre, which is the community centre. Um, the government, we own them properties outright. They Good. belong to the Quinana Aboriginal community. And um, this year we have 28 Aboriginal staff. We've got two white and non-Aboriginal staff. Um, we've got a $4 million turnover. Um, and we are in a position where we now operate from four sites around the South Metro of Perth. And that's what we did at a community level. That's great. So it's, it's incorporated for your, you know, not from government funding. So, yes, it is incorporated. 
Um, and so I myself would prefer to walk the sovereign line yep. um, and have a totally independent, fully independent um, service. Um, but as we do have a lot of mob, you know, within our communities that are mainstreamed and yes. make sure that they follow the law because of the impact of policies, you know, mm. um, we are in an incorporated body. But if we lost all our government funding, we could still operate for about six months before the money would run out. So we're in a fully, fully yeah. financial place that we've managed to create as a community. Good. Yeah. And our funding, you know, um, we have federal and state funding. And you offer services to um, people who have mental, experienced mental health problems? Um, yeah, they're working on, um, you know, getting mental health, um, you know, programs in, in place. But what Moorich Court's main focus is, is dealing with care coordination, yep. chronic disease. Um, we've just managed to get a, um, a dental program going um, and also outreach. So they do transport for appointments and things. We pay for pet specialist services. So if people need any specialist services and you know, things like that with their chronic disease problems. Um, and we also have the um, primary school program with Medina and Leader. A um, few of the primary schools in Quinana where they go and do Aboriginal health checks and ear checks on our kids. Well, that's how it should be. And, you know, this, this is really not talked about in the mainstream media, is it? No, not it's, at all. You know, it's, it's always they talk about how pathetic Aboriginal people look, you know, about, oh, you know, they, they don't have access to this and they don't have access to that, but they don't actually talk about what services are being created. Well, that's right. And, you know, we managed to create Murich Court as a community and now we have a strong foundation and we've got awards, you know, national and state yeah. awards for our service and our staff. And I just want to say how proud I am of them because we all family mob and everyone comes together for the best interests of the community. And even if there's an issue within the community where there's a negative space, we still, that all gets put aside because we as a community want what's best for everybody. So whatever tension and negativity is there or anything that people may get offended from, well, we all leave that outside and we come in and we have heated discussions and things like that, but we all come together for what's best for our community and that's the most important thing. It's about working together and, and definitely leaving your differences at the door, which certainly needs to happen more often in our movements. Oh, well, that's right, you know, and, you know, we have a lot of young ones, you know, that walk with this political correctness yep. um, that's out there yep. these days and I think that our young ones really need to learn that, you know, those of us that are older, um, they should be looking to us for guidance and things like that, not chucking like temper tantrums and things if they don't Absolutely. agree with something. Absolutely. Mm. And it, it, shouldn't, it, it shouldn't be in us and them mentality. We all have to work together. Well, that's in right. solidarity. That's right. And it doesn't matter what age you are or where you come from, we are all walking for the same thing. You know, and if we look at it, all we need to do is uphold and honour our cultural obligations and then there should never be a problem. I wish there were more people like you. But I'm sure there are. You've just mentioned a heap of people. <laughs> yeah, no, I did. <laughs> a lot of us out there, you know, but a lot of you, you get a lot mm -hmm. of mob that like to stay behind the scenes and just do their job quietly without being disturbed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So moving on to, you know, NAIDOC week, what, what do you think is, what does the theme mean to you? Oh, because of her we can. Um, like, that's really important because our mothers and our nanas and our aunties and our sisters and our daughters and our nieces and our nanas, you know, um, we are the creators and the, found, you know, the creators and nurturers of life. 
Um, and I think that I couldn't I couldn't think of a better theme to have for a NAIDOC week, you know. I don't want to take the importance away from other themes, but no, because no. of her we can. Women have been so oppressed and downtrodden and abused and victimised since the invasion, and I think that it's really time that our women were held up in a high high stead, you know, and actually given the respect from the mainstream society um, that we as women deserve. You know, we're not here to be, you know, battered, abused or bullied from, you know, whites or blacks or, you know, black, white, brindle, I don't care who you are. But a woman should be nurtured and respected the way that our women were respected and that before the invasion came along and violence was brought to our shores. I think one of the things that, that I've often spoken to a lot of Aboriginal women about is the way that uh, they were barred from hospitals, and especially when they were given birth. Yeah. And that happened a lot since the invasion, didn't it? Yeah, no, it did. And you've got a lot of mob that lost babies because of that. You know, and I think that, you know, back then, Yorn, if they were going to come and come in here and build those institutions, you know, and, and steal a country off of people who'd been here since time immemorial, you know, they could have at least had the same respect and, and treated our women with the same dignity and honour that they treated their own non-Aboriginal women. That's exactly right. Well, yeah, sometimes I don't think they even <coughs> treated their non-Aboriginal women. Oh, well, that's, yeah, that's true, way because women couldn't even vote until, what, the 50s that's, or something? But I know what you mean. Like, it was, yeah. it's, it was pretty gross. Um, it's approximately 4.24, and we're um, speaking with Marianne McKay. And now, Marianne, I wanted to just ask you something in, in regards to the wellness centre that you were talking about before, and you mentioned chronic disease. Can you talk about what happens there? Like, how do people get assistance with that? Um, so what happens is the, they go to their local GP um, and they can get a referral to Muddich Court um, and then they'll get put on a care plan. Um, and so um, one of our staff will sit down, because um, I used to sit on the board, be a board, um, be a director on the board until I resigned last year, but I'll probably go back, like go back and nominate again. Um, but so one, one of our staff will develop a care plan with that particular person um, and um, it'll be, uh, you know, like adapted to that individual person's needs and circumstances. So basically everything that that person needs to handle and manage their chronic disease, whether it's dialysis or diabetes or heart, whatever it is, you know, heart disease, whatever, yeah. well, Murich Court will make those appointments for them, drive them to those appointments, um, pay for specialist appointments that aren't bulk billed so that people don't have to wait to reclaim from Medicare. Um, and so basically our staff support them through whatever it is that they need with their care plan. So it doesn't matter, transport, money, anything. That's fantastic because, I mean, dialysis is one of the things that um, they've been talking about on, on the news. A lot of um, Aboriginal people from regional areas aren't able to get in and get that done. No, that's right. And my sister girl, Karina Abraham, um, she's one of our deadly young women. Well, she's only a couple of years older than me, but she's an elder in her family because she's the oldest one left, you know, um, and she's only in her early 40s. And she's terminally ill. She suffers from, um, you know, like kidney failure and things. And she actually has an at-home dialysis because she got sick of the hospital and how they treat her all the time, you know, because they're not very good. So she does dialysis at home and her power bill is like $14,000 oh and God. she's got to deal with Synergy coming down on her 
And so she's got to deal with that problem. Well, hang on. The hospital wasn't treating me good. I'm now doing dialysis at home, and now I've got to stress further from an um, electricity bill where they won't work with our Aboriginal people to try and do something about that bill and help financially, you know. Yeah, that, that did need to be talked about because, again, and I know I probably sound like a broken-down record speaking about history because it is important, isn't it, to talk about the here and now but also about the past. No, well, that's right. Because it's connected. And one of the things that I really try to, to communicate to listeners is that, you know, during the invasion and even after the invasion, Aboriginal people were excluded from hospitals, not just women giving birth, but everybody. Children were left to die. Um, and it, in some ways it still happens today, cause, isn't it, Marianne? Because a lot of people, a lot of Aboriginal people are frightened to go to hospitals. Yeah, because you've got to deal with, you know, not knowing what's going to happen. Um, you don't know how you're going to be treated because of past policies. So you get, because there's a lot of that institutionalised racism within the system, um, you have hospitals like Fremantle Hospital back home that treat a lot of our patients like crap, yep. our people. Mm. Um, and so you'll have police coming to escort people out of emergency because they're getting upset because they're so sick and no one's dealing with them. And even me, myself, I've had experience with being dragged out of the hospital by security when I was on a drip because I was dehydrated from morning sickness, you know, and so I was deemed as too difficult and they got me out of the hospital. And it's like, all we want is to be understood and heard. You're not treating me properly and you're not, like, treating me properly medically, I mean, but also treating me properly as a, as a human being, you know, and making me feel like crap when I'm here to get help because I'm sick. You know, and I'm a person where I'll stand up for myself. Yeah. But we got a lot of vulnerable people through past policies that have been so badly treated that they can't trust people in those situations. So they'll just walk out with their sickness and get worse and not get any treatment at all. And it's just sad. It is really sad. And th this is something really important, you know, that Aboriginal health is, is not discussed too much. And in, in fact, I don't know whether you know Arnie Nolly, Arnie Nolleen from Moree. Um, I don't know. Mile Creek Committee? Yeah, maybe not. The massacre at Mile Creek, we talk about um, that a lot on air because yep. we honour a lot of the anniversaries of the massacres here. Yep. But um, Arnie Nolene talked a lot about this type of stuff. And in particular, she talked about um, women's health. So it's really important that we've connected with that as well. Well, that's right. And I think that... Um, what what we should be doing is using traditional ways of healing. I know that, you know, with the, the medical system and the pharmaceutical system that we have today, I won't have a Panadol. I don't like their Western medicines because I don't trust them. I Me think neither. they make our bodies worse. Yeah. Yeah. And I worry about my elders having all these medication and these pill boxes and all this stuff. Like my dad has high cholesterol. But he won't go taking them tablets and high blood pressure. He will not take any medication that they give him. He just manages it just by diet and exercise and working. And he's 58 and he's still fit as like a 26-year-old. He'd put a lot of these young ones to shame. And he still does manual labouring work, you know. Um, and so I worry about the amount of medications that are being shoved down our people's throats when there could be traditional ways of healing and using bush medicines. Like my auntie, she's rest in peace now, my dad's oldest sister. They give her two years with cancer. She got bush medicine and she lasted 12 years. So, look, I know what you're talking about. Look, I've taken, made, made sure that I've 
studied a, a diploma of herbal medicine. And when I was in America, I actually healed myself of bronchitis. We couldn't afford to go to a doctor. And um, I, I took teas, lung remedies. A lot of them weren't Australian bush medicine, but it was teas from all over the world. But I see your point. Yeah. And see, like, you know, they have them vaporizers with the yeah. vapor drops and stuff. Hmm. Well, you, you, the gum leaves do the same thing. Our bush yeah, medicines true. are even better than that. And yeah. I remember we had the vaporizer for about five days, never done nothing. I'd had enough, and I said to the kids, Dad, no, I'm going down here, I'm going bushier. So I went and got my baby some bush medicine. It took two days to clear him up after the five days of trying to use a vaporizer. Was it eucalyptus? Yeah. Yeah, eucalyptus is really good, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's good for asthma, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, it's a really good... Like, there's um, a lot of bush medicines out there that are just really good for sinuses and colds and things like that, and eucalyptus is a prime example. Um, and without giving... You know, things away on air because no. I'm consciously no, speaking no, no, publicly. I just think that the importance of using those bush medicines kept our people alive for so long with colds and things like that. And even though we have introduced diseases and things and illnesses, we still have plants and things that can cure those kind of things. We just need to yeah. use it, you know. Yeah. But to make it clear, and this is not breaching any any law. You've got the botanical gardens that that have long lists of bush medicines, Marianne. Yeah. That and that's not yeah. giving anything away, is it? Because you've had permission yep. from the elders of the area. Yeah. I'm not talking about the museums. I'm talking more about the gardens. Yeah. You know, and they have, um, you know, the stamp of an elder that has given permission. Yeah. And you know, you, you can take so many notes about what to do. You know, they have the medicines about what to do in Australia and, and how to gather them. And that's yeah. okay, isn't it? Yeah, that's okay, as long as they've got the people of the land's permission. No, they do. Um, yeah. Well, that's okay, you know, and I think that that's what more of those kind of places should be doing. Go out and see the people, you know, that's their intellectual property. Help them form an economy from their bush knowledge, their traditional knowledge. That's right. Because, and give yeah. a percentage back to the community. Exactly. You know, a smaller percentage than what the elders would get. Because in all honesty, like... If, if we all don't know how to heal ourselves, how are we going to do it? We've, if, we've got to help each other. Well, that's right. If we can't heal ourselves, we can't, we're no good to anybody else. Why didn't the, the colonisers during the invasion listen to Aboriginal people and then they would, they would be able to, to, to gather all those medicines and, and there wouldn't be any chronic disease now? Yeah, no, because we were classed as savages. They thought they were superior because they wore clothes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, that was the only difference, really. They had clothes on and their skin was fair. Goodness me. Mm. It's approximately 4.34 and uh, we're going to be speaking presently. Um, I'm not even sure yet. I, th- I think we're going to have to... Not sure if we're going to have Lisa next or whether we'll continue with Marianne and we might do both because I did want to speak to you, Marianne, about the Noongar Native Tidal Settlement Settlement. But we need to break up the show um, with a song. We need to have some music so that listeners can have a cup of tea and process some of this information. <laughs> um, so we'll speak. We'll do a song now by Monica Waitman. Beautiful song, um, and it's called. And you're back with the Doing Time show, and we'll see if we can speak with Lisa another time. It was in regards to a prison letter writing project, but. 
Marianne isn't here every day and she's a special guest from Western Australia. Yeah. And I wanted to honour her um, and, and keep her as, much, as long as we can because we're not going to be seeing her for a long time. <laughs> 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 so uh, sending out a cheerio to Lisa and hopefully um, she doesn't mind that we'll be speaking to her either next week or we'll do a pre-record and get that done. So, um, yeah, I'm wondering, Marianne, if, if you could just talk about the Noongar Native Title Settlement and what's happening. Are you allowed to share that on air? Yeah, yeah, there's stuff um, that I can speak about. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so the, at the moment the state government is still pushing forward with their $1.3 billion Native Title offer, um, even though there's over 100 objections in the court um, against it. Um, the court are just more or less trying to ignore those objections and keep moving forward. Um, so basically what they want to do is pay us $1.3 billion for 24 mil, uh, 20 million hectares of land. Um, and any economist will tell you that that's not a good deal, you know. That's um, blatant chicken feed. Um, and I don't know any Aboriginal person um, under law that would sell off their land for that kind of of money, you know, or, or chicken feed or just... They're yeah. basically robbing us, you know, blind. Um, and, you know, we don't care about the money and that. We want our land, you know. We want our land so that we can practice our culture and, and look after our culture properly and be able to fulfil our cultural obligations our way, not be dictated to by a racist government that never works with our people the way we want them and need them to. So, basically, they've offered over 100 houses, but we already have those houses under the Aboriginal Lands Trust scheme, so they're really not handing us anything there. Um, there's no cultural base or no cultural aspect to it, and what they want to do is um, create six regional corporations, so instead of me being, you know, like a Yorga Bilya, or from what they call Wajak country, well then I'd be grouped into a corporation. So because I'm in Kwinana, I would come under Nala Kalabuja. And that's a corporation. So now you've got mobs walking around saying, oh, I'm Nala Kalabuja. And it's like, no, you're not. You know, like, you're Wajak Nunga. Nala Kalabuja is a, region, is a corporation that's being created under a native title framework. It's not our people. Like, I don't come under Nala Kalabuja. I'm a Yorga Bilya. So what we're trying to tell the government is that we don't consent to this. We have never ceded our legal rights to our land mm. and we don't want to be forced into an illegal agreement that they have no legal right to offer us in the first place. Um, they're unlawful. Um, we all know that all the governments are unlawful and the Labor government, because we had the Liberal government with Colin Barnett, who was the Premier mm. that we locked in the restaurant in Kings Park that day when we protested when they announced the native title offer. Um, that was back at the start of um, 2012. That was when we created Noongar 10 Embassy. Um, and so what um, I wrote a letter to Ben Wyatt, who's our um, Treasurer and Aboriginal Affairs Minister, because he's an Aboriginal man, he's the Aboriginal Affairs Minister, which is a good thing, but it's not when you're dealing with a certain type of blackfella that's walked away from their cultural obligations. Um, and so what's happened is we've got a lot of mental health and suicide going on at home. And so I wrote to Ben Wyatt and said, we need funding, um, we need a land base, we want a property, um, and we want you to resource us so that we can create a healing centre for our people our way. And Ben Wyatt responded by saying, 
Um, sorry, we're committed to the Southwest Native Title Settlement. Um, you need to get in contact with your Southwest Aboriginal Land and Sea Council and become a part of the regional corporations. So in a sense, he was saying, uh, yeah, we care that you've got mental health and suicide issues, but we're not going to give you any funding because we're waiting for the Native Title Offer to go through. Oh, and, um, yeah, I got a copy of that letter in my email. But so, I, I, why would they do that? Just very ignorant. It's more or less saying, um, yeah, we accept you've got a problem. We know you've got a problem, but you're your own problem. Go through your land council. Even though there's a 100 objections before the court, we don't want the native title offer. There are people pushing up there, and, you know, I'm sorry if people get offended, but, you know, if you want to be a Jackie Jackie, well, that's your own problem. That's not my conflict. That's yours to deal with yourself. But, you know, that's, that's a term that I grew up with and my elders use, and it goes back to colonisation and, you know, the past policies and things. And I know as Aboriginal people we're supposed to walk together, you know, but you've got some people that can't be put in any other category except as a sell-out Jackie Jackie. What is a Jackie Jackie? Um, someone who's sold out on their culture and walks with the government without an Aboriginal perspective. That's, you know, that happens a lot. Mm. And it's just really sad because, you know, good on people. You want to be successful. You want to get a good job. You want to work in government, earn yeah. money, whatever. But don't sell out on your people. Don't forget where you come from. That's right. And don't dishonour the ancestors that fought and died and shed blood for us to be here today. It's not easier to become assimilated. It's actually harder to be assimilated than to walk the sovereign line. And it just saddens me that we have people out there that get offended by terms like Jackie Jackies when we've got bigger issues in society to deal with, such as mental health and suicide and native title. Native title, I mean, I always thought that was a dirty word in some ways. Well, it is. Really. It is, like native in itself, you know. Like, mm. we are not all natives, you know. We all have names. I'm a Yorgabilia. I come from Nyungar country. You know, and everyone has their titles, their skin groups, their totems. Like we are people who have been here and cared for these lands since the beginning of time. And they would never have had an Australia to come and invade if it wasn't for our people caring for country. That's exactly right. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, you were talking before, Marianne, and I, I, look, native title, I find it a difficult concept. I don't understand it. It sounds like it's got a lot of contradictions there. Oh, there is. And the, they could just come along and amend the Native Title Act any time they want. And so Native Title came out as a result of the Marbo decision because all the waddlers, like non-Aboriginal people, thought we were going to go and take their backyards, but they took ours. So I don't even understand the problem there. And any time, like with the McGlade decision back home, we go and beat the government you know, and get our Ilyuas, you know, overturned so that we don't have to sign them. And what did the government do? So that an Indian company can come and mine in Queensland, they go and amend the native title because of that high court decision. So what's the, like that federal court decision? So what's the use of us having legislation in this country that they call so-called protection and rights for our people if they're just going to amend it when our rights are recognised in the courts? Exactly. You know, and it's, we, you know, if I was um, someone, you know, thinking about native title, I wouldn't go through the Native Title Act. I would go through the common law with the doctrine of native title because that's where they derived it from. And if people want to look more, you can look at St. Catherine's Lumber and Milling Company. It's a Canadian case and it's back in the 1880s. 
and they speak about the fact that there was a doctrine of native title, but it was more beneficial than the statute that we have in Australia today. It was more about the rights of the Indigenous peoples of that area rather than protecting the economy of the mining companies. That's exactly right. In fact, so where are you at with the native title now? We're still fighting it. You're still fighting it. They're still trying to force it on us, and over 100 objections have have been there. So they're, they're just trying to ignore those objections. They're not even dealing with them under their own laws. So they're breaking their own laws, and the Native Title Tribunal wouldn't even accept my objection because my objection didn't fall under the Native Title Framework. And I'm like... I don't want to enter native title. Yeah. So because I didn't want to enter native title, I had no right to object to native title. See, that's very stringent. And that's a contradiction. Yeah. It, like, it really how is. am I supposed to object to them stealing my people's land because I won't engage in that system? And the, I don't think that's fair. You and know? What, was, are mm. you, what was the objection? What? And my objection was simple. Um, I am still a sovereign Yorgabilia. My people have maintained their legal rights and connection to this land since time immemorial. I do not wish to engage in native title. The native title, um, the native title process is flawed. Um, it's racist. And it was an email, like an, an objection, that spoke about that. And it was just short and sweet, one page. I just basically asserted my sovereignty, spoke about my people, my bloodline connection, the fact that their system is unlawful and shouldn't even be here in the first place, and the fact that they're breaching international laws and walking in continuing treason against the letters patent, etc. You know? I mean, how can there be native title if there's no sovereignty? Well, that's right. And that's what we keep trying to tell our people. If we don't have the legal right to our lands, why are they asking for our consent? Yeah, and consent for what? Exactly. Because when, you, when you're saying the land, like you're, what are you, you're saying that you want to take back that country, right? Yeah, we want, it belongs our land, to the people. we want our land fully handed back. Yes. I don't care if there's houses on it. Like people yeah. can keep their houses, but their land rates and water rates will be going to my people, you know? That's and the government could have a percentage of that. We might give them 1%, 2%, you know what they give us. I see what you mean. So, so when people pay their rates, they need to like they all go to the government at the moment. Yeah, they so, go to the local councils. Yeah, but they, I don't reckon they should go to a lot of the councils because the count, town, councils don't do shit. No, well you got all the shire councils. Excuse me. Language one. Excuse. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can't talk bad about our Quinana council because town of Quinana they boss. Language warning. <laughs> what was that? The town of Quinana back home. We're very lucky with our um, shire council because they probably, work with us. You know. Look, I've probably made a very gross generalisation. There are some fantastic councils out there, but some of them do nothing. But, but oh, anyway, no, you didn't make a overgeneralisation. No. You just told the truth. There's only a few councils that actually work. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think what I, what I'm trying to say is I mean <laughs> it's a great project because that way the rates can go some to the gov- the councils and some to the Aboriginal people. What's what's wrong with that? Well, that's then right. they can go and start their own co-ops. Yeah, and it, they're so greedy. Yeah. yeah, it's greed. That's what it is. They're not. Um, you know, like you think about it, right? Our culture provided a sustainable future for future generations. So you think that these non-Aboriginal people in this country would think about their future generations instead of being selfish and worrying about the here and now. They think about their future generations where get a will, make sure you got a will, get your inheritance, you know, make sure your house and everything, you got your kids, you got your insurances, you know, all of this. But they're talking about a create a, a create they're talking about creating a sustainable future financially. 
there's nothing there about land-based sustainability so that we've still got a land to be able to have resources and be able to grow food and have animals and actually have a life so that our future mob, otherwise they're going to all be like Waterworld with Kevin Costner, you know. It's very interesting what you're saying, actually, because sometimes what you could do when you die is if, if, if one owns a house, they might be able to give it back to the, to the, to the land. Well, that's right. To the actual, yeah. Yeah, so if you've got non-Aboriginal people out there, you know, that don't have families and yeah. they own properties or they own houses or whatever, put your local Aboriginal corporation or your local Aboriginal people on your will. You know, and, and donate that property back. Give back and do, you know, right what your ancestors wronged, you know. Mm. And that's a way of giving back and that's a way of restoring the karma for any future generations that come along. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, know, a lot of people have got plenty of money and they want their parents' houses and, and stuff. Yeah. You know, if you've, got, if you've got your own money, why would you want another house? Well, that's right. It's you know? greedy. You know, that's like they a... could be donating that, that property. Unreal. Yeah. You're definitely, definitely priceless, Marianne. It's, it's good to have you here. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks, Marissa. Me and Marissa, we laugh a lot on the phone and that. We probably giggle more than we talk. I, I think we do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Well, we had a big amazing. laughing session before the... We really did, and we're having another laughing session now, so it's really good. It's approximately 4.51, and we've just been speaking with Marianne Mc. And you're back with the Doing Time show, and it's approximately 4.56. We've got one minute left. Um, 55, I think. Oh, God, one or two minutes. But, look, Marianne, thank you so much for coming in. Yeah, no, thanks, Marissa. And, um, you know, I just want to say, you know, thank you. It's an honour to be on this country, you know, like, and my kids are half Koori, so, oh, um, yeah, their, their pop is Lockie Austin. I just wanted to give Baby Cass a shout-out. <laughs> yep. um, yeah, and um, all the mob here. Um, and Aunty Cecily Atkinson was actually the one who did my hair and makeup for the NAIDOC ball the other night. So oh, I just oh, wanted to great. say thank you to everyone. Yeah, and it's an honour and a privilege to stand on these lands and, you know, be welcomed like as if I'm at home with my own family. And that's how it was at the ball the other night. <laughs> oh. With all the deadly staunch sister girls, you know, it was so much fun. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. And it's, I know you've talked about the ball before. It's, it's really, it was really great that you, you, that you could go. Yeah, well, I can't even get a ticket to the person NAIDOC ball because my mob don't trust me. You know, I'm too political for them. Oh, oh so yes. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> you just got to be yourself. That's what it's all about. No, well, I had a ball, eh, at the ball. So it was <laughs> awesome fun. And, you know, thank you to all the Melbourne mob, eh, like putting up a good show. And we had our Nyunga Marinda group come. Um, and I just want to give a shout-out, too, to my brother, Jason Ryder-Brofo. Um, he's got Nyunga Band back home. Everyone should check out Nyunga Yoga on YouTube. Right. I'd love for him to come and perform for you, eh? He's oh, oh, boss. Cool. Deadly. I would love that. Well, we're out of here. Um, yeah, and cheerio to Lisa as well. We'll be interviewing her, hopefully. Yeah, sorry, Lisa. Very soon um, about the letter-writing project and the historical aspect, which goes right back to Ned Kelly. But um, next time. Um, so we're going to be going out now with our theme song, Black Fella, White Fella, from the Rumpy Band. And Beyond Zero is up next. And thank you once again to the Students of Sustainability Conference for letting us have Marianne. <laughs> 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 I'm going to get back to the honeys. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Take care. <laughs>